It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Whoa! What's up, Mets fans? How we doing? A little midnight Mets action. Another happy, excited, just fantastic, joyful episode. I got all the different adjectives to tell you how we're feeling. Five in a row for the New York Mets, including three against the first place Arizona Diamondbacks in the National League West, playing arguably the best baseball we've played in a very long time. Maybe this entire year, so much good to talk about me and james we're burning the midnight oil we're getting you all the stats all the info going over all the games because there's just so much to talk about here super excited to bring you guys this episode of the Mets up podcast make sure you're following us on all our social media at Mets up on twitter instagram and tiktok shout Vito. we've been getting some killer tiktoks killer instagram reels of the francisco lindor interview in case you guys didn't see that it's up on the new york mets youtube channel up on our podcast feed as well so make sure you check that out and if you're listening to us make sure you download subscribe all that good stuff on wherever you listen to your podcasts and let's bring in james james how are we feeling i think you're actually pretty close to the uh, the boys out in the desert right now I'm ridiculously close to the Mets right now. The Mets are going past. I'm in fabulous Las Vegas right now doing the podcast. Shout out my friend Ross, his bachelor party this weekend. Going to do going to do two two podcast episodes in this hotel room in Vegas, which is going to be really funny. But yeah, I'm really close to them. So I flew right past them. I gave them a good luck kiss when I was flying over the state of Arizona. And we won again. The Mets are as hot as they've been all season. Five more wins until Mark and I have to get stomach aches for a pizza party. You guys are seeing like kind of what we envisioned the beginning of the year where we had some starting pitchers at the top of the rotation that were going to be able to carry the staff and then an offense that was going to be good. Like we said for months, like how good this offense really could be when everything's clicking. And now you're seeing Francisco indoors, one of the hottest series of baseball. Francisco Alvarez just had one of the most fun series of every Mets player have. Pete hit another home run on Thursday. Brett Beatty starting to swing it better. Mark Cannon, Bob Mior, they're starting Brett hitting the ball hard. Neil was on base. Brandon Vogelback. Vogelback's getting on. This like three out of the Mets last four games to score at least eight runs. Like how much fun is that? It's it's a lot of fun. Like usually when you have to stay up for these late night games on the West Coast, like it's hard. It's hard. Like I know a lot of people have like their jobs to go to in the morning. You can't you can't burn the midnight oil. But these games have been like just as a Mets fan who just saw that month of June. These were like, wow, I got to take in every second of this. Like, this is what we've been waiting for. Like you said, this is everything that we talked about that this team could be. And again, this is not the Diamondbacks of old. This is the first place in the National League West, Arizona Diamondbacks. They have been playing a little bit worse baseball of recent, but it definitely is not a bad Diamondbacks team. They were very, very good. We got lucky missing Zach Gallon for sure, but we were able to stop this offense that has been very, very solid all year and just kind of limit them and really dominate them this series, which is not something I honestly thought was in the cards. Yeah, I mean, the only time they scored this entire series was 4th of July, Tuesday afternoon, just hitting a lot of home runs. Like, that was really it. That, like, we didn't see this, again, very talented Diamondbacks offense put an inning together. We barely used any relief pitchers this entire series. Like, we had starts of, it was uh, six from six from Scherzer, eight from Inga, eight from Carrasco. It's like, okay, now you guys, like, now you're seeing the recipe. You're like, this, this could really work. 
Mets got 22 innings from starting pitchers in a three-game series. I don't, I don't know the last time that's happened. I don't know that's the last time that's happened. And we've talked about it so many times. And it's been talked about on SNY. It's been talked about on anything that is involved with the Mets. When the pitchers go deep into the game for the Mets, they are significantly more successful. That means the pitchers are pitching well. We're getting runs. Like it's just, it's crazy how simple of a formula it is. But it really does like work every single time. Pitcher goes more than six innings, Mets win. It's pretty much how it works. Yeah, and that's how it's been working. And just going game by game here in this series, like starting to really look back at it, you can kind of just see like how the team was able to lean on the starting pitch and getting the hits when they were able to get the hits. Like starting with game one, again, the ball was flying out that game. Just both teams, like Corbin Carroll hit a quick home run where it did suck to watch him injured on Thursday night. It really kind of took yeah. – that was probably going to be one of the more memorable rookie seasons in baseball if this is a serious injury, and we hope it's not because no one for injuries. But he hit a home run Thursday afternoon. I believe it was the first inning, second or third battle of the game. I forgot where he was hitting, where he had an inside changeup from Max Scherzer that he inside outed as a left-handed hitter over the left field fence. So that was a pitch coming in in the mid-80s, low 80 miles an hour. It was on the inside. He's about, I don't know, what would you say? He's 5'10", 160, 23 years old. Yeah, about so wet. Hands, yeah, inside the changeup, got the barrel down low and put it over the fence to left field. It was one of the coolest home runs. I, even though it was like very like subtle, very low-key, like one of the more home runs I've ever seen as a baseball fan. No, and it was great, too, because the Mets responded immediately with the Starling Marte hitting that three-run home run. You talked about it a little bit earlier, but he's been swinging the bat better. I mean, he had the double groin surgery. I'm sure it's just like more and more time. As more and more time passes, he's going to feel healthier, stronger, better. He's been running the bases better, I feel like, too, a little bit recently. Like see, Having Starling Marte being able to swing the bat like he did in this series, I know... I don't think he necessarily got the results as much after this, but he had been hitting the ball a lot better. It felt like he was barreling up the baseball, hitting it with a little more authority. It really just changes the whole field of this lineup. Yeah, and in this game specifically, he had three hard hit balls even after that home run, which was great. And also just looked very comfortable back hitting in the desert again. Yes. But then he came back again. Had a huge series, who's a hell of a baseball player. Uh, your game, Cox Mark, hit a home yeah. run. Scurriel hit him went back to back. And then Nimmo came back again. It was like, all right, 4th of July, fireworks, like back, forth, back, forth, home runs, home runs, home runs. Shout out John. He was talking about the ball flying out in Arizona. Sneaky, I believe, second highest elevation of any major league park. Correct. That is correct. And you know what was really funny about this game, too, listening to it on TV, was Keith Hernandez was just enamored with how the way that the Arizona Diamondbacks structure their roster with how many good athletes there are at every single position, especially out in the outfield. Everybody's fast. Everybody can run. Everybody can throw. Everybody can play the outfield. And he was like oogling and, and just drooling over these guys. And Gary goes, yeah, you know, what's funny, though, is uh, all their runs have been scored by home runs tonight. So <laughs> don't know if that's really the case anymore there, Keith. But it was like for all the, the great cool different stuff that they do of like old school baseball at the end of the day home runs and 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 putting the ball in the air is still what wins games correct me if I'm wrong because i was just on a cross-country flight but i've been pretty sure every single time backs run this series was scored via the home run besides corbett carroll's bases loaded walk i believe so yeah i, I think yeah. that is the case and like That's crazy and they are a very yeah. athletic team like you, you kind of see them flying around uh it was just like, again, like very athletic outfielders. McCarthy, we mentioned him pregame. He's basically a football player playing baseball. Alec Thomas like, is a free athlete, just hasn't really put the baseball stuff together yet. But enough about the Diamondbacks. We got to talk way more about the Mets. Yeah, because, let's talk about um, the Mets. This was, I just want to go through an inning here, which was the sixth inning for Scherzer on Tuesday. This was probably hilarious, one of the low points even in the series, even though it was an inning that like trouble he got out of. He was really cruising through. To that sixth inning, he was five innings through, seven strikeouts, two hits, no walks. Like this really reminded me, like 
get, I'm going to just say this and just don't want to get out of everybody's head immediately. This reminded me a lot of the brave start where kind of the same thing happened because then he got the first two outs of that sixth inning and then they had two infield singles and then a walk. And then Carroll came up or maybe infield single walk infield single. I think that was the order. And then Carroll came back up and he had one of the most impressive at bats. I want to say like, of like the season I've watched as a baseball fan because he was working the count against Scherzer and Max got two strikes on him and he kept trying to get a fastball past him high and every single time Carroll wasted it wasted it wasted it and then eventually he just put in place the cutter down and in like at the right spot to him and it was like that wasn't that bad you watch like all right good job young man like you really earned that and then we got out of the inning only that one run was given up left with a tie but it did get put like a tiny the idiotiest bit of souring on what would have been another really good Max Scherzer start yeah I was uh, I was definitely a little feeling a little different at the beginning of the series than I did towards the end of it I was like oh man which Scherzer pitched a little bit better but like yeah I mean looking back on it like he pitched fine he pitched fine again did enough for us to keep us in the game give us a chance to win and that's really all we needed especially with the way that this offense has been playing and I mean can we talk about Francisco Alvarez now is it time or are we going to save all the big stats for the end maybe in game three I mean, I'm now just talking like a little bit of the time here because he hit three individual huge home runs in this series. The first again coming Tuesday evening off of old friend Miguel Castro. Love, love that. Remember how uh, angry everybody was when we traded him for Joely Rodriguez and everyone's like, Miguel Castro, can you believe this? Yeah. yeah, but those are the same people actually hated Miguel Castro when he was a member of the New York Mets. So yeah, it goes back and forth. You never really know Mets fans. But this home run from Alvarez was an absolute nuke. The the best ball I've seen him hit so far as a professional, 110 miles an hour off the bat, 26-degree launch angle, projected 467 feet, a bomb and a half. That's projected the 13th furthest home run hit by any player this season. And as of games on Thursday, the furthest by any player age 22 or younger. I know Gunn Henderson hit two. I didn't see videos of them but I, i'm hoping i don't think either of them went 470 but <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> yeah i mean like it was just it was really nice to see that things got a little bit dicey in the ninth inning we know we're like ooh, ooh, a little scary but you know what the mets came out on top mets came out on top got the win to make it three in a row at the time which was really cool like wow three in a row we haven't seen this in a minute super excited feeling good feeling great going into game two with kodai sanga on the mound they moved scherzer up in the start because they wanted to give kodai sanga like normal rest, not like the new American MLB rest. I don't know what to call it, but like they wanted to give him that extra day. So they moved Scherzer up so that Scherzer could also get one more start before the all-star break, I believe. So Senga now pitched game two. Boy, oh boy, Kodai Senga. I mean, we, we, we always talk about the ebbs and flows that we're going to see with him, but whew, that was, that was quite a, that was quite a performance by Kodai. Got to be his best start, which is crazy. Cause I feel like we've said that like three out of the last four times he's pitched. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Well, we have because he keeps like learning and finding new tricks and getting better. And he did something really cool in this start, something I made a big Twitter thread about like a month and a half ago, something we've talked about in this show, where he pitched backwards. Gary and Keith were talking about it a lot. I think Steve Gell was mentioned it too. I think he saw my Twitter thread. That's where he got that piece of information from, I'm pretty sure. But he was throwing so many ghost forks and cutters early in the count. And then he was mixing in his four-seam fastball as his put away pitch. Really, really, really interesting. He only used one four-seam fastball the entire game when he was behind in the count. Wow. And he only individually 1-2-0, 1-3-0, and 1-3-1 count the entire game. So he was ahead. He was getting his strikes early. He was staying ahead of these guys. The game plan was amazing. The most interesting part was that he really leaned on that cutter, which is a pitch that he's been really like building up slowly as this year has gone on. He's thrown at least 20% of the time in every single start, he except two, since April 26th, which I believe was his third start of the year. And Wednesday was the first time in his major league career where it was his primary pitch, otherwise otherwise known as his most thrown pitch. It was also the most thrown pitch he did, the first pitch of at-bats, the Dynamax hitters. And he really, really, really leaned on it when he was behind the count against these guys. And that pitch got seven called strikes as well as a fastball. But those fastball called strikes were a lot of strike threes. That was his finisher. He was hitting it low. He was placing it high. Varying both the color and the ball against right lefties, putting it the color away the righties and bringing it in on lefties, which is, you know, that's a good way to do it, but that's still not the easiest thing to do. Use the same pitch to different sides of the plate for different handed hitters. Like, that's a hard thing mechanically to be able to repeat over a game. And, like, it was just incredible. Even the ghost fork, like, he was throwing his fork a ton to start hitters off. His second pitch behind the cutter, more than his fast start hitters off in the at-bats. And it got tons of whiffs. He even got some curveballs over for strikes. Like, he had every single trick in the bag. It was amazing. Oh, he looked so good. He looked, like like you said, amazing. Like, it's really that simple. Kodai Senga looked amazing. Gary and Keith were really loving the use of the high fastball. And he even like confused. He had these diamondback hitters in a blender. Like you said, pitching backwards. It's almost like they were like, wait, but you're supposed to fastball first, then the cutter, then the ghost fork. You're not doing that. Like what, what do we do? We game planned for something that is not happening right now. They looked lost. They looked confused. They looked overmatched again for a team that offensively has been very, very strong this year. I just, it's so awesome watching Kodai Senga pitch like this. It's so awesome because any, anytime you get one of these players in, you get all the different questions. What's he going to do? What's he going to adjust? And we're literally seeing Kodai Senga make adjustments game in, game out. As the season's gone on, getting smarter, getting better, just overall becoming a better pitcher than I honestly expected at this point. 
You know what else is insane? Like, even after all the ups and downs first half, Kodai Sang is the 10th lowest ERA in the National League. And we're not an ERA podcast. We know ERA kind of is more indicative of what you've done. It's a good amalgamation of that, not really what you're going to do. But just keep seeing Kodai get better. Keep seeing him tinker with his repertoire. Keep seeing him kind of like the best way I can describe it is like, see, he kind of has that dog in him. Like, yep. to be like the corny social media stuff I could possibly say. What? What did we say when we were at Kodai's introductory press conference when he came in with the suit? He came in looking all serious. Wow. We looked at each other we were like, dog. Dude's a dog. Like, the guy's got a dog in him. He's here. He's focused. He's ready. We know he called out the Phillies. He was like, I can't wait to face him. And he mowed them down. The dude seems to have no fear, which is pretty sick. No, he attacks hitters. He's not using the inside of the plate. He's not afraid to just throw you a pitch and say, I don't think you're really going to hit it. Like, it's some of these starts, we have seen him really work back and forth with these game plans, but I really just think it's all about what he feels comfortable with today. Like, once we saw him take the sweeper out of the repertoire, we really saw him have a new level. And now with this color being a weapon he can use against guys on the right side and the left side, get more soft contact, get more ground balls, get more first pitch strikes, use a pitch with movement when you're behind in the count so the hitters can't get fat and wait for that fastball. It's really ridiculous. The only literally and it's really to see how consistent he is with this extra day like this is something that's really important and it's not really something that <laughs> i don't know like i i feel like a lot of fans some of them get frustrated i know again Vito's in the eye, but I was with my uncles on the 4th of July. Like, I wish he could just pitch every fifth day. Who cares? He's really successful every sixth day. It doesn't well, matter. Dude, we have Jose Quintana coming back, and I was watching SNY, and you're going to yell at me for watching SNY programming, but, like, they were like, what are they going to do when Quintana comes back? I'm like, six-man rotation. Six-man rotation. It makes so much sense. Or even, like, six-man rotation, and probably maybe... I mean, Carrasco's also pitching as well as he has all year, but just, like, I don't know, kind of massage these guys' workloads a little bit. Like, there's going to be a lot of games and a lot of days coming up once we get through July and August. We got a lot of long home stretches, a lot of long, 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 long series here. Like, to have many pitches, not a bad thing. And now you you look at the way this Mets team is playing now, and you're like, if they had one more starting pitcher the last, like, how many more wins would this team, like, really even have? Like, I know. Damn. But, again, it's just it's beautiful to watch Cody do this. And the only thing that was bad about this game first was just the fact that the Mets couldn't scratch any run support for him. Yeah, against Tommy Henry, which was a bit frustrating. Wait, I got one more Kodai Senga fact for you because I think this one's really, really cool. Pulled this one up. I was going in my uh, Johnny Stats mode here today. It's really all over Stathead. But Kodai Senga has the 11th most strikeouts in the first 16 starts of a pitcher's career in Major League Baseball history. The Mets have four of the top 11 in Major League history for most strikeouts to start a career over the first 16 starts. Can you name the other three besides Kodai Senga? Seaver? No. Gooden? Yup. DeGrom? No. Is it, are they weird? No, they're, they're guys you would get, but you just I think you might be able to forget them. I can give them to you if you want. Kuzman, Ryan? Ryan is one of them for sure. You're Not missing Kuzman. one more. It's more recent. Is super recent? Uh, within the last 10 years. Wheeler. Matt Harvey. Yeah, I was going to go over the next one, of course. Matt all right, all the easiest ones, but all the top guys. Hey, legacy of great pitching in this organization, but the pitching can only get us so far in this game, and Kodai Senga did wind up giving up a home run to Christian Walker, I believe it was the bottom of the seventh year. And I'm lauding the cutter. It wasn't a cutter that bled a little bit too much over the plate, and he had fouled yeah. a few ones off, and he just hit one out again. Christian Walker's a hell of a baseball player. Good hitter. These last two years, his development, wow, he is a star first baseman, but it really didn't matter. Because we have one thing that no other team baseball has, and that is Francisco Alvarez. Yes. As the clock was striking midnight, midnight Mets we know just hits different. Always, always midnight Mets. And Francisco Alvarez, this at bat I thought was 
unbelievably impressive from anybody, but especially a young 21 year old. Keith was really just like loving this at bat today when he was talking about in game three. But it was a two, uh, two one count to Francisco Alvarez. A low strike was called on Andrew Chafin's slider, which is one of the best sliders in all baseball. It was not a strike. Changed the count from going 3 1 to 2 2 now. And Francisco Alvarez was pissed, stepped out of the box, like yelled at the umpire, like, give me time, give me time. Kind of recomposed himself, got back in the zone, took another slider in the dirt to make it 3 2, then fouled off some pitches. And then, of course, hit that home run. But for a 21 year old to get kind of a horrible call, then adjust, relax, not let not let the moment get too big for him, just kind of keep it all inside himself, and then put one opposite field against one of the better left-handed relievers in baseball. We know he hasn't performed against lefties as well as righties this year. I mean, it was it was awesome. I'm I'm at my parents' house now because I still don't have AC and it was midnight, so they're sleeping. But I was like, I was doing like the whisper, I was like, let's go, let's go. I like ran around my room in Brooklyn, just like pumping my fists, like going back and forth. Like, yeah, come on. Also, like, I love that it was against a lefty because like a lot of people make about like stories about Alvarez, like having these bat splits against lefties, even though it's been like what, like 120 at bats, yeah. probably a completely irrelevant sample. That has nothing to do with how he's going to hit against lefties in his career. Also gets Andrew Griffin, who's someone that everybody begged to be on the Mets for years, is having a good year, actually getting ninth ending this year. I think he's given up like over two thirds of his earned runs this year yeah. in, in the ninth inning, which is really hilarious. But even just also opposite field, like, oh my God, it was beautiful. Dan, down to his last strike, too. Second time he's hit a home run, the ninth inning for the Mets trailing to, to tie the game down to the last out. Like, it's ridiculous. And then the best part about this, unheralded part about this, this was only to tie the game. Yeah. And then this, our seventh hit in the order, and the new and buddies. Brett Beatty and back to back. Beatty hit a sharp single or he draw a walk? Sharp, sharp single through the first second base yeah. hole on an 0-2 count, by the way, against a lefty, go. Andrew Chafin. Just things you love to see, just like growth of a player, getting better and better as he keeps playing more. Yeah. Also, want to shout out, I, I ran into one of Brett Beatty, one of his best friends in the Vegas area, Garrett Wilson. I almost cried. You guys have talked about this show. Yeah, quick shout out. Jets, Buckeyes, Mets. I was like, Garrett, what's up? He's like, hey, do it, man. He's like, hey, what the Mets? I've, I've talked to him. He's like, oh, that's not my friend, man. That's my dog. That's my bro. He's like, been with me since the beginning. I was like, hell yeah. He's like, yeah, so you're Jet Buckeyes? I was like, yeah. He's like, that's He was like, yeah. He's like, ah, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, let's be friends by Garrett. But uh, we're going to have her beside the point. And then Mark Cannon also against Andrew Chafin. People also make a thing about Cannon not being able to hit lefties. He, I don't really think it's true either. And he smokes a triple in the triples alley over there, uh, whatever they call Diamondbacks Field now. And the team was going ballistic. The ballistic. emotion that was coming out of the team the ninth inning yesterday. Every single guy was standing up in the top step. Verlander and Scherzer and late at night were screaming. Like Mark Cannon was losing his mind over there. Like Brett Beatty was like, pumping his fist and screaming like this that felt like one of the first times in the last couple of months where you're like all right we're here like we're believe like we're ready to play ball it felt like a release it felt like a finally like here we are there we go like alvarez hitting that home run jump it the dude got airborne multiple times last night on the home run jumping hitting the thing doing the the muscles around the bases like absolutely love it canna was looking like a crazy person at third base and i think it's really important to talk about brett Beatty and canna too how well they've kind of been playing like low-key under the radar while Beatty hasn't been hitting for much power which is you know something that we expect to see more of since june 6 he's hitting 290 with a 350 on base like that's it's really good for another rookie who's playing pretty much every single day at third base the power again hasn't been there so ops is like 700 over that time but 290 350 is 
pretty good process. And the exit velocities are still great. Every single day he puts one, 107, 110, like one, like 112. He hits the crap out of the ball. It's just going to be about his, you know, pitch recognition, getting the right counts, losing that ball eventually. But there's still tons of faith in that. And then with Mark Hanna, since May 21st, we know he's a beast in the month of June. But since May 21st, he's hitting 284 with a 419 on base, 473 slugging, 892 OPS with a 16% walk rate, 15% K rate. He's been walking more than he strikes out. He's been hitting for power, extra base hits getting on base like i mean if we want someone who's gonna be like a really really good nine hitter honestly i love mark Hanna in the nine spot i absolutely love him there because he gets on base resets the lineup for the top of the order and he doesn't clock the bases he's, he's been playing really really well yeah and like it's this always happens with baseball fan baseball teams where like the month of the season will always like get ingrained in your mind and that's kind yeah. of what is like becomes a perception of players like McKenna had such like a bad april and even a guy even a guy like pete who like pump all-star game home run derby is going to be great but he had like a pretty slow like two months here but yeah. like that perception of having such a good april will always like stick with everybody more because like they're like oh he started the year well he's playing well but Canada's like just slowly creeping back up to all his career numbers that positive aggression is happening for him it's happening for Marte. like it's, it's happening for a lot of players in this team right now it is really it's really a good thing to see them get hot huge win take the series which is nice we just gotta take series one at a time so we win the series with a chance to get the sweep going into game three carlos carrasco on the mound going up against ryan nelson i mean this is a this is a weird weird pitching matchup for sure but <laughs> luckily for the mets really worked out for us because the boys just absolutely attacked ryan nelson and carlos carrasco was probably the best he's been as a met ever I think probably just this year. He's I mean also going eight innings for Carlos Carrasco is crazy. He's been really getting length a lot of these starts. Got a stat here from Sarah Langs. Kodai Sang and Carrasco each going eight innings for back to back games for the Mets. The first time that happened for the Mets since August second and third, two thousand fifteen. I'm gonna find faint and Bartolo that did that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Making me woozy. <laughs> yeah. But again, I was on a, a plane during this game, so I was just tracking on my phone. I didn't get to watch, but you told me that the guys said that Car- uh, Carrasco's been throwing a new slider that he learned from watching Pablo Lopez on Instagram. Yeah. They were saying that he used it in the Giants start and as we know that was one of his better starts and I think you talked about it that he was throwing the slider I think as his primary pitch in that start which is something that Carrasco doesn't normally do and they asked him why and it was like at the the locker after the game which is some stuff that we missed because we record right after it but he was like yeah I, I saw Pablo Lopez show his slider grip on Instagram and I was like let me try that and he tried it in a bullpen loved it used it in the game was like oh this is like way better it was successful against the Giants and I think it was successful against the Diamondbacks again tonight I think that's safe to say yeah i mean it was great pitch i did some digging on it just like trying to find like different parts of the pitch physics that were different and it it is pretty clear there's a different slider these last two starts he got a a higher release point coming up over here and he's getting tons more horizontal break on it more slide on that a little more sweep if you will yearly average about three and a half inches heading into his last start and the last two starts the average six and five inches respectively of horizontal movements that's significant uh, increase in movement tiny bit less velocity tiny bit more spin but i think the big thing is the change in that release point vertical release point and it's getting more chases, more whiffs. It's going in the zone less, and it's getting a lot of soft contact. Can't get it for the individual pitches, but 
21 balls in play against Carlos Carrasco on Thursday. 12 of them were on the ground and four of them were pop-ups. Yeah. I so mean, that's that's 16, really only five baseballs per play against Carrasco in, in like a possibility of doing damage. Yeah, no, he was, he was phenomenal again. Giving us that length is huge. Giving the bullpen just another day off. We know the bullpen has been so heavily used recently. So just being able to kind of relax, have a really, really easy game because Carlos Carrasco is in the driver's seat, especially when the Mets give him a bunch of runs. He gave a shutdown innings like everything about this game was just chef's kiss. It was beautiful. It was amazing. This is what you live for as a Mets fan. And you want to hear another funny thing? We talk about the Mets length of starting pitchers all this year. This was the fourth time this year Mets got eight innings. Exact same amount as last year. That's only July. That's yeah, crazy. All, all last year's team needed was more starting pitching, just like this year's team. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball's messed up. <laughs> Baseball's messed up. This podcast is messed up. It is oh messed up. God. Right, let's talk about the hitting now, though, because, I mean, we kind of talked about how good Alvarez has been. We talked about the three homers in three games. Let's talk about it again. He had another home run. Tied for the second most home runs by a catcher 21 years or younger. Tied with Daryl Porter. The only guy ahead of him is who, James? Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench, probably the greatest catcher of all time. Pretty insane, uh, you know, kind of class to be a part of. And then I dove even deeper into the Francisco Alvarez numbers here. Alvarez has the most home runs in two in the first 211 plate appearances to start a season by any player 21 years or younger in Major League Baseball history. I know I just gave you a Tim Kirkshen stat. It was absolutely insane, incredibly specific. But the fact that he has done that, the next closest guy, by the way, Weirdly, again, another Met, Ron Swoboda in 1965 with 13 home runs in a similar amount of games and plate appearances. But if you look at like similar games for guys 21 years or younger, they they had like 80, 90 more plate appearances in that time. So what Francisco Alvarez has been able to do this year, there's been ups and downs, we know, but boy, oh boy, a lot, a lot of ups, a lot of yeah. ups. And the power is just so legit. 16 homers in 211 plate appearances is like some of the Disgusting. best home run to plate appearance ratios in the game right now. That's ridiculous. It is. It's literally disgusting. He has the OPS back to 790 after it dipped into the low, the low 700s these couple days. And talking about Johnny Bench, a lot of times when we've talked about Alex these last few months, we compare him to Pudge because Pudge played so many more games before turning 22, 23 and every other catcher because he was so good at defense that I think he was called up at 19 or 20 and just was like, let's just lead the pitching staff. But he really wasn't hitting at that point in his career. He was compiling as a young guy. Bench did have that marquee season at when he had 26 home runs. I think it was in, you have it. Did you listen here? No, you didn't. Oh, wait, I didn't I have, have it actually. I think I have any other notes. 69, actually. Good year for the Mets. Good year for the Mets. But I'm at the bachelor party right now. All Ohio guys. Look what I literally saw while you were talking about that on in the room. A Johnny Bench jersey? A Johnny Bench jersey was four feet away from me recording this podcast. How amazing is that? Why is someone bringing a Johnny Bench jersey to a bachelor party in Vegas? This is Ohio, guys. Hey, you know, you like every, every, everyone's bachelor party is either engaged or married besides me, one other dude, and my friend's 21-year-old younger brother. So it's like they all just kind of like, you don't have to think about anything. You're engaged at 22 years old when you live west. <laughs> like you're like, all right, shut it all down. Sports gambling, baseball jerseys. Let's eat. Like that's that's all we need to think. No, no fashion. It's not dark. I mean, like it, what Alvarez has been able to do is just so incredible. We've we've been talking about him since he got called up. Since before he got called up, we've been like, hey, this guy is the truth. He's going to be that dude. He's going to be that guy. And I feel like as more and more people are starting to become hip and watching, not just Met fans but fans of baseball around the league, like, oh. There's a reason he has the best tattooed on his neck. I mean, he's, he's going to get there, I think. 
<laughs> this is the second time it's happening this show. We don't like to do it very often, but I, I do. I have to give credit where it's due because that's why I had the funniest segment. Maybe they've had all baseball season. Uh, I think it was Wednesday afternoon. Well, no, I think it was actually th- uh, Thursday afternoon yesterday. And you guys are listening to this where they had they had the brain trust on there bathing who would you rather have francisco alvarez or corbett carroll oh dude they had one today of francisco alvarez anthony volpe i was watching that close i was like this is this is insane but the carroll one's funny because Cor- corbin carroll again it sucks he got injured today i really hope he's not hurt long yeah. term because he's just makes baseball better he sensational alvarez amazing too don't get me wrong but corbin carroll's Corbin Carroll is like doing all the things for Francisco Alvarez is doing, but also like hitting 300 and playing elite offense and like the fastest player in baseball. Like it's, it's amazing. And again, we love Francisco Alvarez. That just puts in perspective how good Corbin Carroll is. But yeah, it's a good segment for daytime television for people who don't know who Corbin Carroll is. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a I have a feeling if you pulled a lot of fans of baseball, even they wouldn't know. It's just like you got you got to be really in it or you got to be playing fantasy baseball probably to know Corbin Carroll. <laughs> yeah. But it'll be a household name just like Francisco Alvarez should be by the time that this episode goes out he should be a household name already yes he's a household name and i him in our households and the diamondbacks maybe didn't didn't really appreciate how well he played against them because it looked like they gave him some some, some cheese uh, towards the end of this game i don't know i the, the guy immediately was like oh my god not me and alvarez didn't really look that mad it looked like the home plate umpire kind of escalated a little bit because he just like ran out immediately and started like making sure alvarez wouldn't go and alvarez looked at him like why are you touching me? Like, what's going on? Like, just let me be. I'm good. We're winning. Like, that's that's the win here is that we're winning. Uh, good day to be Francisco, though. Good day to be Francisco. We talked about Alvarez. Let's talk about Lindor. Five for five, two triples in his first two at-bats, hit a home run, couple singles. He was a double away from the cycle. On his second triple, he honestly almost was thrown out, which would have weirdly given him a cycle, yeah. even though it would have been a worse outcome. But, oh man, I mean, Francisco Lindor, dude, we're seeing that guy again. Like, we're, we're seeing that player that we saw last year. We know the beginning of the season was a little bit rough with the average numbers. I know the old old heads are going to be like, he's hitting 230. Guy's OPS is up to 788 now, which is well above league average. Hitting extra base hits like crazy. Just had one of the best games. Plays elite defense at shortstop. He's that dude. He's that guy. <laughs> he has ridiculous. He's almost 60 RBIs at the All-Star break. Like, it's ridiculous what he's doing right now. He also is the first player in Mets history to have two triples in the first three innings of a game. <laughs> That's a cool one. Shout out Sarah Langs. John's asleep, so we need we need stats from somewhere. <laughs> he's just he's just once again just cruising his way to another, like, six-win season. Like, very oh. casually. Another instance of, like, oh, my God, the guy had a bad April. year must suck. But it's like, you guys heard him in the interview. And if you didn't hear him in the interview, like, go back and listen to it. Like... People have things to say to him, but then he's just going to keep playing super well. There isn't going to be anything to say anymore. And it's just he's is he is the best shortstop in the National League. It's ridiculous that uh, he he might not be in Seattle in a couple of days. Insane that they picked the fraud that is James Swanson. He calls himself Dansby. Your first name's James. Have some respect. But James Swanson gets gets on that team instead of Francisco Lindor, it makes literally no sense. He doesn't have a better number anywhere. I don't think there's a single thing that he does better than Francisco Lindor, except maybe batting average, but we know this isn't a batting average podcast because that would be stupid. Who, who cares about batting average? I think this is something I like to say to like Mets fans who get mad about the batting average. I'm like, hey, uh, 18 home runs, 60 RBIs for, at the All-Star break for Francisco Lindor. Good or bad year? Just, yeah, just answer really that because the only really answer year. is good year. 
I mean, it's great here. Like, I, the way his slice of Fiscal Lindor is playing great right now. He's he's five RBIs clear of every other shortstop in baseball. Like, it's like kind of ridiculous what's going on. ESPN actually populated their stats already. Good for them. Oh. They got 18 homers, 57 RBIs, 11 stolen bases, 472 slug. It, it, he's, he's crushing right now. <laughs> Bobichette's batting average is 100 points higher. Lindor has one less double, one more triple today three more home runs five more rbis and he's only struck out eight more times that's a lot of singles from bo bichette this is the singles pause we're here we're here for the big here for the big stuff don't care about singles whatever who needs singles another guy doesn't care very much about singles alonzo yeah right, got another home run getting in all getting a home run dirty shape he's ready to rock uh smoke the ball 111.5 miles an hour 17 degree angle just got out in a hurry, like a little lower than Pete's normal home runs. Do you have this note here you want to say? Because you wrote it down. Only two other home runs have been hit similarly to Pete's tonight, which was 111 miles an hour, 17 to 18 degree launch angle. That was by Yandy and Jock. So it just shows you how strong this guy is. I mean, Yandy Diaz is probably the most jacked person in the entire major leagues. He's, he's built like a non-human. It's insane. And Jock Peterson, for some reason, hits the ball really hard. I don't know. He's got a little baby fat, but he crushes baseballs. So that's one thing. Pete, uh, Pete's definitely... You know, he's going through it a little bit right now, not as consistent and not necessarily as hot as we have seen him like we saw at the start of the year. But for him to maybe get into that home run derby, get that swing back, he was swinging aggressive tonight, which was look, which looked really good. Just just start building, building a good little season here, building a good little second half. Things will be all right for Pete. He's a beast. Yep. And the only other thing to close this game in this series is new Met Trevor Gott made his Mets debut. Pitched a, pitched a very clean ending. He uh part of the trade, but the Mets made on, what was that? That was Tuesday? That was Tuesday afternoon? Yep. No, Monday. Monday afternoon before 4th of July. 4th of July, Tuesday, screwed this whole week up. But they traded Zach Muckenhern, who had already been designated for assignment, to the Mariners for Chris Flexen, who they had already designated for assignment, and Trevor Gott. And the Mets swiftly designate Chris for assignment. So if they if no one claims Chris Flexen, I think he resolved by the time this comes out, he'll now be on the Mets books for four million in AAA or someone else will take him and take the money. So basically did this DFA swap, paid a little bit of money to get Trevor Gott, who is at worst case just a, a reliever. He definitely peaked a few years ago, twenty nineteen with the Giants when they kind of started like reworking every single thing they were doing as an organization. And he's just sinker cutter curveball get guys out both sides of the plate. He lost a few ticks of velocity this year. He struggled with some arm injuries and a back issue earlier this year. So he went from like 95 and a half, 96 this year. He's been sitting around 93, 92 and a half. So definitely want to see if that comes back. Cause that's definitely going to give him life, more life on his four seam fastball, but sinker, cutter, curveball, all look like good pitches. He just seems like another guy just be used in like the mishmash of middle relief. Yeah. I mean, I was looking to you. I, I don't know much about Trevor got. So I was like, let's see here what the reliever whispers got. I know hit, I know got coming up, send your boy Jeff Brigham down, but hey, he's got some stuff to work on. He'll no, be back. No worries, we, we'll know he'll be all right. We're not in a rush for Brigham here. This is, this, is the, this is the long game here. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's only July still. 100%. And the last thing to talk about with the series, uh, I won the estimate. No game came even close to three hours. Well, no. uh, the first game did. First game did, but... Yeah. We didn't care about that because we cared about how late the game ended. And I definitely won that one easily. I've now taken a one game lead five yeah. in a row, just like those New York Mets. James, you have uh, you've lost a little bit of uh, lead here. You need to come back. Otherwise, we're going to see you in the full jersey, cleats, everything. I black. You're wearing I black. I don't care. I was going to wear I want to wear I black. I black could make me break out. I black. No, black's not going to make you break out. That's insane. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't need it. We'll, we'll see about the eye black. We'll see what happens. But I still have a shot to tie back up this week. I, two years in a row, I just completely just lose my focus. I'm ready to win. I just like stop paying attention. It's just some awful guesses I mean, the last few months. Terrible. Yeah, bad just ones. completely miserable guesses. I will have won this one, though. Freaking Tuesday counted. But, of course, Johnny Fix. John, John's got my best interests, and that's why I love John. So he sent us the, uh, the estimate. Of course, John, new father. He needs some sleep. So understandable why he left the boys tonight. Here's what we're going to say is the secret word, James, what do we got? What's the secret word? Make a Vegas theme since you're there. Secret word is Venetian. Venetian. Okay. Venetian's a secret word for John. He still never told us any of the no. words. He likes he to listen to the first up. five minutes, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and do this estimate here. He said, total hits by players with contracts worth $200 million or more, which sounds insane, but there's quite a few of them in this series. We got Francisco Lindor. We got Xander Bogarts. We got Fernando Tatis Jr. Is there another one? Manny Machado. Manny Machado. Yes. I should have wow. told you that. I had my edge. I just lost it. Damn it. Dang. Okay. I mean, I knew that there was more, but I was like, who is the last guy? Yeah, Manny Machado. So we got four guys, total hits by the four of them. A bunch of them are Padres. So hopefully this is a low number here. But yeah. uh, just like the Mets, the Padres are kind of playing their best baseball right now. We are unfortunately catching a team that is also very hot at the moment. Uh, pitching well. They've been pitching well all year. We'll do our preview in a second here. But uh, for the for the estimate. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What am I thinking for the four players? Hits in a, It's a three-game series, right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go... You think they're playing their best baseball? They're literally coming off like an eight-game losing streak. They're just to sweep the Angels, though. But yeah, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the Padres, three in a row, that's, that's pretty good, good for them. So we're, th- we're looking like four marquee baseball players in a three-game series, how many hits they're going to combine for. Interesting one by John. Also, John yeah. not here to to defend his favorite player, Xander Bogarts. The, yeah, John really John's was, favorite contract in baseball. Really coming for John to bail on us. To be fair, Xander Bogarts has gotten hot. But all right. He has, yeah. I've got my number. Uh, you got yours? Uh, yeah, I got mine. All right, ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, bang. Nine. Mine says 13. I went nine. 13, okay. 13 versus nine. So okay. what does that mean? 11 is our, our enemy. That's a push. <laughs> 11 is uh, actually it's fine because then you just win. Yeah, I guess then I just win. Oh. I need 10. So I need, I need 10 or fewer hits from these guys in the series. We need uh, Someone's got to get an off day, right? Tatis is due for an off day. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm just really banking on Francisco Lindor getting like two hits a game. Give me six from Lindor, and I'm going to be feeling really good, I think, at that point. Yeah, the way he's hitting right now, you might, well, that's not hard. But, yeah, I guess it's a good time to bring in the Padre preview. The Padres are kind of like the Spider-Man with the Mets this year. Here you go. Oh, you spent a lot of the money playing well. That's me, too. That's us. That's what we're doing right now. Two of some of the biggest contracts in baseball. We got some serious pitching matchups in the series because the Padres have a serious staff. All this good luck we've had with pitcher matchups the last few weeks, it's flipping back around. We got all three of the boys. We got you, Darvish, on Friday night, our favorite pitcher, the face ever. I freaking hate this guy. Against Justin Verlander. And then a little, little lefty battle. little lefty battle Saturday late night. 10-10 for you guys in the East Coast. 7-10 for me in Vegas. That'll be a nice one to watch at the uh, 
at the Circa Stadium swim. That'll be actually yeah. a pleasure. Blake Snell versus David Peterson. Okay. And then Sunday, lead it in the All-Star break, 410 Eastern, Joe Mauro versus Max Scherzer. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we're not we're not missing any of their uh, pitchers. They don't really have any bad pitchers either, to be fair. Like Seth Lugo has been really good this year. I'm kind of <laughs> happy we don't have to face him, so I don't even have to hear that discourse. God forbid he pitches well. Michael Walker's hurt, but he's been sick. Awesome. Like, I mean, they, just, they, they got good pitching. They got good pitching. Their bullpen's also been, like, pretty decent, too. It's it's weird how, why they don't win. They don't score runs, kind of. Could you, could you imagine telling a Padres fan in March – I don't even think Michael Walker was signed. I'll say the day after Michael Walker was signed that you would get like, let's see how many innings these guys combined for this year. 85 for Walker. You would be getting 145 innings. 48, exactly. 149 out of Michael Walker and Seth Lugo this year. And you are in the threes. And you'd be (laughs) under 500 at the All-Star break. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It literally doesn't make any sense. Like this team is very confusing. Uh, We played them earlier in the year, took the series from them, right? We took the series from the Padres. Two did. Two out of three. We know a lot about them. We know these guys like Juan Soto is is sick. Not part of this estimate, but he's sick. He's still awesome. Fernando Tatis Jr. is probably the biggest snub in the entire All-Star game. Crazy. He just didn't make the roster somehow. I, I don't know how he didn't, um, but he's he's disgusting. Hassan Kim, they've moved into the awesome. leadoff spot, has been awesome. And we know that he's a Met killer, so expect something from Hassan Kim. This is going to be a really good series. Sounds weird for two teams that are under 500, but this is going to be like a a really good series of baseball, I think. It's also going to be a hotly contested series. I think both these teams are looking at each other, and it's like, there's really only probably the best case scenario, one of us going to make the playoffs. Yeah. The Mets already took a series from them. The Padres definitely going to have their backs up against the wall a little bit. Definitely feel the importance. You talk about Fernando Tatis. He was suspended for the first, what, 20, 22 games a season, something around mm-hmm. that number, 20-ish. He already leads the Padres in home runs with 16 and 67 games. Hassan Kim, who I've always told you was a good little baseball player, and you always chastise me. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was not me. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Usually I talk more about baseball to you than anybody else. But the guy is hitting. He's fielding. He's running. He's got a quiet 10 home runs, 15 stolen bases hitting at the All-Star record. Now, could be looking at a 2020 season for Hassan Kim, which is kind of like the player that everyone, I think, expected when he came over from Korea. And then it was hard for him to adjust. And like, what did you guys know? American baseball is really difficult. And he's nice coming back up and being good. The one thing that's been holding the Padres back this year in a big way is the fact that Michelle and Xander Bogart haven't, until the last like couple of weeks, played to their potential. Bogart's playing yeah. a huge, huge zap power zap after he had it was either a wrist injury or got a ball like kind of buzzed him early in the season i think he hit a wrist around there his power hasn't been there since then machado has just kind of been slow like getting into his rhythm like kind of the way he does san diego is also a ballpark where their weather is weird like much in other places in the country where they have like they're very humid early in the season and then they dry out as the summer goes on so maybe that's something to do with it the ball i don't know what's going on but this it's, it's the same thing that we talked about when we played this team early in the season where this team is popcorn muscles yeah where the top of the order you're like oh my god i don't want to look at those guys and you get to five you're like all right we can, we can get these guys out now like that's fine and then it's just like these three are the top these are the ones we got to face and then like the bullpen's good but it's not it's not like a bullpen you can't get to. Josh Hader's been really good this year, but he hasn't. He's not Bruce Josh Hader. Like Tim Hill getting a lot of innings. Nick Martinez, Honeywell. Like these guys are all have some stuff, but these guys are all can pitches that we can't hit. Like this isn't a team. I'm afraid you're gonna have to play good baseball to beat them. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think it's going to be a really competitive series. Like you said, two teams that kind of need to win some baseball games sooner than later. Mets are luckily hot right now, five in a row. Let's keep let's keep it going. Make me and James really sweat to eat this pizza because I'm telling you right now, my doctor and my family is not happy with the the thought or the idea that I'm going to be having some some dairy for the first time in like three four years. I'm not happy about it either. But if the Mets win 10 in a row, that's what we'll do for you. We'll we'll risk our health for you guys for this team to get hot. So not even a question. I, yeah, not even a question. Got anything else here, James, before we wrap it up here so we can let uh, everybody go to sleep, including Vito, because he's got a, lot, a little bit of editing to do. I'll leave you guys with one quote I heard from Keith, because this was another one of these wacky you know, Keith, Keith Gary series out west. This happened about, I want to say, fifth or sixth inning on Wednesday night. It's coming from Keith Hernandez. You guys remember how Keith Hernandez was when he was like a youth. <laughs> you can't hoot with the owls if you want to soar with the eagles. That's a lesson for all you guys. Can't hoot with the owls if you want to soar like the eagles. I'm going to get that tattooed on my body if they win the World Series. It's too many words to get tattooed in your <laughs> Maybe you do it in Chinese, so it's only like one symbol for each one. <laughs> if the Mets win the World Series, I'll get an make eagle a and an right owl. now. If the Mets win the World Series, we're getting that quote in some kind of Asian, Asian language on our body, so it fits. Sure, deal. I'm in. Deal. I'm in. Sign me up. Yeah, spit pack. Vito's our witness. Beautiful. Yeah, Vito's our witness. You the messed up listeners, your witnesses. We really, we love to just like, just Say. for no reason, throw things out there. Like, we'll do this if this happens. For no reason. No one's making us do it. Good content. That's what we do for you guys. Content. We bring the heat. We bring the heat. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Make sure you're following us on all our social media at Mets Up. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel so that you can see the video version of this, as well as our Francisco Lindor interview. That was awesome. Not a lot of people get to talk to him. We did. Go check it out. It was amazing. Uh, if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, whatever it is, drop us a follow, drop us a rating, download, subscribe. Subscribe, all that good stuff. We really do appreciate it. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. And me, Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. It's underneath our faces on YouTube if you can see it. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Peace out.